Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are coming to you from a brand new studio in a brand new building overlooking the Thames. We are high above uh, the River Thames in London at the centre of the city. We are looking out uh, on the walkie-talkie building. We are looking out on a beautiful blue sky. The pale blue yonder uh, is beckoning us because out now uh, we are going to be talking about the future of many things this morning. We're going to be talking about the future uh, of the Tory party. Katie Perrier is going to join us. Katie Perrier, of course, the former communications advisor to Theresa May inside number 10 Downing Street when things inside number 10 Downing Street were still pretty good. We'll also be talking to her about Boris Johnson because she also worked, guess what, with Boris Johnson when he was the Mayor of London. This is a woman who is at the very heart and soul of the Tory party. She is absolutely and utterly clued up about whether Boris Johnson is good enough to be Prime Minister, whether or not Boris Johnson can get past the knives and the outrageous kind of rebellion inside the Tory party. And just for good measure, we'll also be talking to a man by the name of Andrew Bridgen. He is a Tory MP, of course, uh, for Leicestershire. He is a man not unassuming uh, in his ideas, not a man who is in favour at all of staying and remaining within the European Union. Here's a guy who the last time he was on this show, I said to him, why don't you just leave the Tory party and join the Brexit party? Because after all, you are a Brexiteer more than you are a Tory. And you know what he said to me? He said the fact is that there are not enough Conservatives inside the Conservative Party. And that, my friends, is a massive dilemma for Andrew Bridget. But he'll be joining us right here in the studio very, very soon as well. Coming up first, though, we're going to talk about GPs because if you've ever tried to get an appointment with your local GP, no doubt you will find that it's quite difficult. Sometimes they make you queue up outside. Sometimes they make you call after half past eight in the morning. And sometimes you have to call for about two hours before you can have a chance of getting anywhere near the surgery. What the doctors are now saying, right, is that basically... If you only get in for 10 minutes, it's not enough time to work out what's wrong with you. We'll be finding out precisely why they're saying that and why they think 15 minutes is the bare minimum for absolutely everything. Also, of course, we want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000 is the number because you provide the common sense on this show. You have the place only here to call and get your views across because there are other radio stations in the world but none of them will listen to you. None of them will talk to you. None of them will have anything but your interests at heart. These are the bad radio stations. This is the great radio station. This is Talk Radio. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. It's the Independent Republic. 0344 499 1000. Good morning. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It is 10.34 in the morning. We are coming to you live from our brand new, brand spanking new, shiny, beautiful, glamorous studios overlooking the River Thames, high above uh, the walkie-talkie uh, and all the other big buildings in the uh, city of London. Uh, it is a fabulous place. You will see. People are saying to me, why are you telling us what the view's like? I'll tell you why I'm telling you what the view's like. It makes me feel better, and the better I feel, the better you will feel, because the less grumpy I will be and the more engaging I will become over time. I'm wearing a jacket. It's very glamorous. And just to be uh, sure that you know this is a very important occasion, we have with us our star 
pupil and guest, Ms. Katie Perrier. Katie. Good morning. Welcome to our new home. I know, it's really hard when you're listening on radio to yeah. understand what it means today, yes. but this is a really is the start of a new era. And it really this is. is the most incredible studio. Mm. Um, the things were worth the wait, and I just hope that the radio mic is just as good as the um, uh, it's just as good as the view. There's no need to hope that, just Katie. As, there's good absolutely, as the, the, there's the no need to hope that it's going to be good, because now that you're here, we are going to get the inside track. I've been bigging up here, uh, saying that not only will you be able to tell us what is going on inside Boris Johnson's mind, you'll be able to tell us what's going on inside Theresa May's mind. You've worked with both of them very closely. You know, we are now at an impasse where these two people are basically fighting over the spoils of what might be a kind of wrecked car crash type Tory party. Well, sometimes I think to myself, who would want it right yeah. now? Because why would you want this top job, mm. which is destined to be problematic? Because it doesn't matter if you change the party leader, parliament arithmetic is still the same. Yes. You still have the same number of people who have different views and cannot be united mm. around a whole different you know, way of moving forward around Brexit. So um, whoever takes over, it doesn't matter whether it's Boris Johnson, whether it's Dominic Raab, whether it might be Esther McVeigh, or you know, one more of the kind of Remainer side of the party, whoever takes over will still face the same problem. Problem. But what's in Boris Johnson's mind right now? He knows it's his to lose. Yeah. He knows that he just needs to keep his eye on the prize. He needs to move forward. He needs to try and unite Parliament around him because there is a big, you know, back Boris campaign. There's a strong stop Boris campaign yes. in Parliament. and that's going to kick off this morning or this afternoon with Philip Hammond's speech, isn't it? Because Philip Hammond is all over the Times this morning saying that he's going to launch a preemptive strike against Boris Johnson because the problem for Boris is there's loads of people not only in the Cabinet but in the Tory party in Westminster who really don't like him, right? Well, there's a view that there's two Boris Johnsons, mm. right? There's the Boris Johnson that ran for London, the who I worked for. you married to and the one um, who stays out. No, <laughs> sorry, not that. No, not those the two. The Boris Johnson who was kind of uh, open, liberal, yeah. he championed the city at a time when everybody was bashing mm. uh, you know, the money makers when it was a downturn. He was really the kind of the heart and soul of the Conservative Party. He was leading when no other Tory was being elected. If you think, remember, David Cameron yeah. was in opposition at the sure. time. He was the one that kind of led the way to a Tory revival. And he did brilliantly to beat Labour in that first election particularly, didn't he? Yeah, and, and to come back again mm. and do it again was very impressive. And so that, the, that Boris Johnson is someone that people will crawl over cracked glass to go and meet. They want to spend time with him. They want to to, you know, to uh, they, they adore him in many ways, but the Boris Johnson of the last few years has uh, participated in quite a divisive campaign. No matter what way you look at it, Brexit's been divisive. Oh, it has. He's kind of led that campaign. I don't think Brexit would have happened without Boris Johnson, and there's some people that don't like that about him. But also, some of his newspaper columns have been slightly critical uh, and not have been as inclusive and not been as multicultural as the Boris that mm. ran London. And so, what well, the Conservative Party is asking. What Boris Johnson are you offering us? Yes. Because if you're offering us a Boris that you cannot, and I think he is, I think he's saying, look, you know, my views can be, uh, you know, slightly, uh, you know, some people might find them offensive, but they're not meant to be. Mm. In fact, the articles that he's written about that I've, I took kind of issue with, they were came from a position of we should be inclusive, we should have freedoms, people should be able to wear what they want to wear and, and act the way that they want to act within reason as long but as they're But he's not a law. stupid man and he's he uses words man. very carefully and he knew, he knew the effect that the words that he was using would have, right? Well, I'm hoping that he sees the way to unite the Conservative Party and the country because the problem is at the moment we are naval gazing. We are kind of fighting amongst ourselves. We're eating our own children and we're looking, we're not looking above the line and thinking, right, mm. well, what do we offer the yeah. public moving forward? How do we make sure that the enemy is not each other in the Conservative Party? Because, by the way, this leadership can, can, um, kind of candidate yeah. selection roll call in right. terms of having this grand national of 25 people that want to uh, run as Prime Minister, that's going to get quite ugly. 
and it's going to get quite nasty at times. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen. But it does I think show you, it does be it, united. Yeah, and it does show you, does it not, that there is literally nobody running the thing? Because at the end of the day, surely in the old days of the Tory party, there would be maybe half a dozen candidates and they would be whittled down. Because, you, as you say, there's about 20. You know, everybody's just throwing their hat into the ring and it's and ridiculous. And why wouldn't you? you know, but it's it, totally mad, isn't it? But but they're doing it not to win necessarily. They're doing it to be listened to, mm. to be open, to show their ideas and views and they want a, a position in the Cabinet. Yeah. But it does look a bit self-serving to the outside, does it not? It does. Does it not look like we kind of... The Conservative Party's kind of... You know, pretting around choosing its own leader while the country burns yes. a bit. You know, why don't we, well, exactly. we need to rise up above mm. that and think that doesn't matter who we select, doesn't matter who then takes over the top job, it's about how we bring the nation together, look to the future, get through Brexit and beyond, and then talk about the issues that really matter to people because we're not talking about schools, no. we're not talking about hospitals, we're not talking about the things that really matter to people, and I think we're getting lost there. And the winner, the overall winner, we do is that Jeremy here at Corbyn. Talk Radio, of course, every it's single Jeremy day. Corbyn. Well, that do wins. you know what worries me is that I hear now more often than not people saying, well, everyone kind of accepts now that Jeremy Corbyn's going to be the next Prime Minister. You know, there's going to have to be a general election. It's entirely possible, is it not, that Boris Johnson, who, by the way, I think, should come out as if he's a new person and a new candidate and say, this is actually what I believe in. You might think this about me, you might think I've said that before, but this is what I should be doing. And if you were running his campaign, I bet you you would focus on that and say, look, let's just tell everyone who Boris Johnson is and what he stands for and what his prime ministership would be like and what the country would be like under, underneath him. But what I'm thinking uh, is that basically with this, this, this kind of chaos of the Tory party, they're going to get absolutely horsed, as they say in Glasgow, uh, on Thursday at the elections. I mean, they're looking at running fifth at the moment, not even third. And so, you know, what sort of Tory party would he be inheriting anyway at this point? Well, this is the problem. And so uh, when you look at the Conservative membership and those that are, the numbers are declining all the time and those that are sticking around seem to be from the kind of centre-right of the party rather than the mm. centre or the centre-left of the party. And so this is not the time to leave the Conservative Party. In fact, this is the time to join it because if you want to influence it in the future, you really need to be part of it. And people need to understand that, you know, they can't really sit on the sidelines. If they have a view, if they want to be heard, you kind of got to get stuck in it. It's, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't work if mm. everybody sits back and leaves it to, to other people because then you have extremists from either side. So Jeremy Corbyn and the Momentum lot, they are extreme left and there are some people in the kind of extreme right of the Conservative Party that I don't want governing our country either. You really can only lead, in my opinion, from the centre mm. and it's about how Boris can get there and unite and bring some people with him. He needs to actually not just bring the people with him. The secret in politics is not just answer and talk to your audience. Yeah. It is about bringing new people with you and retaining the ones you've well, got. Well, that's exactly what he has to do because let's not forget... Andrew Bridgen's going to come in later on. When he was last on the show, I said to him, why don't you just leave the Tories and join the, the Brexit party? And he said, well, because I'm a Conservative. He said, the trouble with the Conservative party is there's not enough Conservatives in it. And he's partly right about that, but he's also part of the problem because the ERG group has been just as responsible as the wets, as John Major would have called them, uh, for not getting the Brexit uh, withdrawal agreement through. Indeed, and everybody has to look at themselves and think, look, you know, the pure nature of the Brexit that I wanted is not going to happen because the parliamentary arithmetic is not there. In fact, the country has a very different view mm. of what actual Brexit should look like. And so we need to be in a position where we compromise and we get around the best possible Brexit and move forward because it's killing us. Yeah. It's killing us as a political party. It's killing us as a nation. The instability, businesses are telling me, actually, I can handle whatever deal you throw at me. It's the instability that, that is, that's absolutely killing me because I have 
have to make decisions and they will not be in the UK's favour. Mm. You know, we're looking at stories today, British Steel look like they might be folding. Uh, administrators will be calling within the next 24 hours. We might see more of this. They're not scare stories. They are, you know, in a position where a country cannot make its mind up. Yeah. We can't work out how, what a trading future will look like. We can't look, out, look, look at where we're going. And international investors are thinking, you know what, I might give Britain a, a wide berth for a couple of years just because I'm a bit worried about, you know, the stability yeah. there. That's never well, really natural. happened to us. I mean, I'm last... watching the TV last night and seeing, seeing a Thomas Cook plane landing and, and hearing a statement from Thomas Cook going, oh, don't worry, everything's fine. I'm, I'm not booking a holiday with Thomas Cook this year and I'm sorry if that upsets people and I'm sorry if that it causes a run on the share price. I'm sure it's not that important what I say. But you know I don't what know, I mean? Mike. Well, it's very possible. But, you know, I'm not going to do it because I don't know if I'm going to fly off to Cos or somewhere in Greece and I won't be able to get back. Well, you, you might know. want to stay there at this rate. Well, it's very true, actually. <laughs> we were meant to be going there for Brexit, and then it never happened. I'm really upset about that. Katie Perrier is here. If you want to talk to her, you know what to do. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If Corbyn wins the next election, says Vince, I'd hate it. But the last thing on my mind would be chucking a milkshake over him. Uh, Charlton Kev says, "Why? Or why are we having to put up with Nigel Farage constantly on the TV and the radio? The BBC seems to really enjoy giving him a platform. Or is it just me? If I'm wrong, then I may need medical attention." Well, I have to say, he is a bit of a political phenomenon at the moment. He is the guy uh, who seems to be doing all the business uh, that everybody is. Uh, wanting to be done over the course of this election period. Pete says, milkshaking is a cowardly act uh, and deserves punishing. Have the bottle to debate properly. And a lot of people say, well, imagine if it was a milkshake, but it actually something else was in it, something far more uh, dreadful and far more heinous. Uh, and that's what you have to think about as well. Uh, because obviously, uh, it's not good enough for certain people from certain shades of the political spectrum to say, oh, well, it's fine uh, to throw milkshakes over people you don't like. Well, it isn't fine at all, is it? 0344 499 1,000. We'll take loads of your calls coming up. Right now, though, uh, I'm joined by Andrew Bridget, uh, member of the Tory party uh, for, of course, North West Leicestershire. Andrew, very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Well, Mike, these are very impressive I mean, new premises. Is it it's not... better than that, sh that tent you normally interview Well, me in. exactly. The tent of shame is, has been retired for the moment because we... It'll like, be I mean, back, don't worry. Well, I wonder if it will, because I'm wondering if they're just keeping us off college greens. They don't like all the demos that used to go with the, the media uh, scrum that kind of sprang up there, because presumably it's a lot quieter without us. And also, it's a chance for the grass to grow back. That's was... what they keep telling me. I don't believe that. I'm not falling for that one. <laughs> the grass growing back. Oh, well, we, ne we never let the grass grow under our feet in Parliament. You know that. <laughs> well, listen, you've been very busy this year. I don't think you've ever worked so hard in your lives, have you? Um, well, I'll put it this way. We actually have got a, a week of recess after mm. this week, and I think that's the second week we've not been in Parliament yes. this year. And we're nearly halfway through the year. So, yeah, I don't think anyone's complaining about that. Well, as if to prove how useless the European Union is, you know, after Donald Tusk said, don't waste your time, um, a lot of people in Parliament have gone, OK, then let's have lots of holidays. <laughs> Well, if we could have got out without a deal, I would have been quite happy to recess until we got uh, yes. out and stop Parliament with yes. their shenanigans. But, Speaking uh, of which, the last time you and I spoke, uh, I said to you, why don't you just go and join the Brexit party? Because that seems to be much more in line with your way of thinking. However, you said, well, no, I'm a Conservative and the problem with the Conservative party is there's not enough Conservatives in it. Has anything changed since the last time we spoke? 
Um, well, a few people have left the Conservative Party yeah. who I wouldn't have considered Conservatives. Right. I mean, we, we had a so we've lost Subri, Wollaston, Heidi Allen. Right. Um, and last night we kicked out I was Michael say, Heseltine. Lord Heseltine, yeah. It yes. seems he's lost the whip because he seems to think it's all right to vote Lib Dem while being a member of another party. Well, not only vote Lib Dem, he, he went on all, all media channels promoting the fact that he was going to be voting Lib Dem. Mm. So, I mean, that's completely against the party rules. I think it's very telling that when Anne Widdicombe uh, said she was standing for the Brexit party, she apparently got her expulsion letter the next morning. Right. Um, Anne Widdicombe, interestingly, when I, when I was standing as a candidate in north-west Leicestershire, I was a candidate from 2006, right. and we didn't have the election until 2010. The seat was held by Labour, and it was a fairly safe Labour seat. Uh, Anne Widdicombe was the first MP who came up to speak on my behalf in north-west Leicestershire. We probably hadn't had a Conservative event for about 10 years right. in those days. Um, wherever she is, she will be a Conservative, as far as I'm concerned, but she broke the rules and she stood for another party, so she got expelled. Well... What was the difference between her yes. and, and Lord uh, Those are the rules. Heseltine? Well, Those you, are the rules. Otherwise, yeah. party discipline breaks down. Well, I mean, there hasn't been much party discipline When since... you break down, the machine breaks down. Well, I mean, that is the problem, isn't it, with Theresa May? Because the Theresa May machine broke down quite a long time ago. Party the Maybot. Di party discipline inside the Cabinet broke down. The whipping system broke down inside of Parliament. And no-one can find the off button for the Maybot. No, but, I mean, you yourself, it has to be said, also broke the, the, the whip in a way by not voting through her withdrawal agreement. Didn't you? I certainly did. And yeah. I, I voted actually three times. And yeah. I'm going to vote against the WAB when it, if it comes back and when it comes back um, the week after next. Yes. Are you expecting it to be any different looking when it comes back? Apparently it's 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 bold and new or something. Really? But, but when challenged, the Prime Minister right. couldn't say what was bold or new. I think maybe what it's it is... Maybe it's bold. It's going to be printed in bold, it, maybe. Well, it may be. It's, it's going to hopefully be out today so we can have a look at it. It's about half an inch mm. thick. Uh, basically, it's, it's an invite for Labour to uh, vote for it and then amend it for customs union, second referendum, anything really. Well, it's unpalatable as it was before yeah. it'll be amended, so I'm, I'm going to be voting against it. And the good news is um, there were 28 Eurosceptic Conservative MPs who voted against it on the meaningful vote three, or, or meaningless vote three, as right. it would seem now. Yeah. And we're, um, there's going to be a lot more voting against it when it comes back this mm. time. So, And whatever became of principle in politics, where you actually had a belief and you tried to convince other people that your belief was correct, rather than what seems to be happening now, which is that Theresa May goes, well, I'll tell you what, if you don't like that one... What if I do this to it and then we'll get it through? I mean, it just seems to be completely motherless and where, without any kind of point. Well, where we are now is is um, Theresa May is getting her coat and hat on to leave the building. Uh, she's just desperate to salvage something from her premiership and she will s sell out the country, our democracy mm. and the Conservative Party to get her awful withdrawal agreement, which is not a withdrawal agreement, we've had this discussion many yeah. times before, across the line, so that she leaves with something. Um, that is a luxury I can't afford, the country can't afford, and mm. I can't afford to let it have. So are you moving more towards the Boris Johnson side of the fence, then? Um, I'm not going to commit to any uh, leadership candidate at the moment. Um, I'm going to wait and see what they do. Um, I'll, I'll give you some red lines for me, and my red lines are in permanent ink. OK. Uh, I will not be backing anyone for the leadership who votes for the withdrawal agreement bill the week after next. So that okay. anyone who votes for that has ruled themselves out of my book. Uh, and I will be voting for uh, a candidate to be leader of the Conservative Party and Prime Minister who can persuade me that they genuinely are willing to get us out of the European Union without a deal, 
because they've got to be able to persuade the European Union that we're willing to leave without a deal so that we can get a better deal. Mm. Do you think that the European Union's position will change after Thursday, or certainly, say, I mean, it's going to take until Sunday, I understand, to count all the votes and to sort of see what the effect has been? I'm not just talking about from, from the Brexit party in Britain's point of view, but from all of the other countries where there are many populist movements and many condition, many sort of MEPs who are going to move into Parliament who might be considered to be right-wing. Do you think the EU will then sort of soften its approach to our to I don't our think it's a matter leaving? of being right-wing or left-wing. What you're going to have is a lot more Eurosceptic uh, members of the European Parliament. Um, will that change the attitude of the Commission? Well, they're, they're not elected anyway, so they, they don't have to suffer um, that threat from the electorate. Right. I think the problem with the European Parliament is it's, it's basically like our House of Lords. It's not a legislative chamber, really. It's a revising chamber. All the laws are sent from the Commission mm. and the Council, and they can reject them, but they just send them back again and again and again and again until they pass them. So... What I th well, it could do go two ways, couldn't it, Mike? If, mm. if there's a lot more Eurosceptics in uh, in the European Parliament, it might make the uh, the European Council and the Commission's position more intransigent that they they realise they can't give us any more concessions because everyone will be leaving the European Union. Well, that's so the, it. Could that's work both. So it, it could, could go could either go way. Out either way. Mm. Either way. But at the end of the day, uh, threatened with no deal. A no-deal Brexit on the 31st of October now, and I know you've heard this before. Um, Halloween. Yes. Well, it, it's... It's a, irresistible, isn't it? Well, it will be a nightmare. <laughs> it, it will be a nightmare for the European <laughs> Union. I mean, the, the, the rest of the European Union is on, on the verge of, uh, of recession. Right. Uh, they're propping up their currency, the euro, with continuing their banking system with quantitative easing. You've got a crisis in the Italian banks. You've got probably... It's, it's contagion to, to Germany. They've got the target to... Uh, central bank debt uh, nightmare to contend with. They've got a lot of things on their plate, but I think they'll blink. Mm. Um, it's hugely in their interest to have a trade deal with us. We want a free trade deal. We can go on GATT24. All they can say is no. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that will be the end of the European Union if they do, because it will plunge millions of people in, in the Eurozone into uh, unemployment, which is something we, we don't want to do. We want to leave on good terms, but at the end of the day, the withdrawal agreement has been drawn up by Brussels. It's a surrender document. But the way that we're discussing it still seems to me to be entirely wrong. You know, talking about leaving as though it's a finality, as though it's some kind of, you know, f falling off of a cliff or, a, you know, whatever you want to call it, crashing out. You know, we are in intrinsically linked to Europe and we always will be. The we, fact we're not that, changing our geography. No, we're not, I mean, we're we're not, not leaving Europe, off, we're leaving the European yeah, Union. I mean, it's not like we're floating off and we're going to become one of the canaries or something. I mean, we are still going to be... Well, the weather would be better. The weather would be better. Um, although, according to the climate change crazies, you know, we're all going to be, you know, sort of growing grapes in the backyard. And well, making... well, that's interesting because in the Romano warm period, mm. uh, it was at 150 BC to 450 yeah. AD, yes. the Romans were growing grapes at Hadrian's Wall and yeah. making wine. So... Well, they were. Well, do you know... On, it's uh, not that warm in, yet, in, is it? In July of 1707... Have, you found, have they found the chariots that were causing it? <laughs> in July of 1707, um, I told this to one of these guys once when he was on, uh, there was recorded temperatures of 39 degrees centigrade uh, in London on uh, on July the 4th or something of 1707 when the Act of Union was signed between England and Scotland. And he said, oh, well, the thing is... Um, uh, the, uh, the the measurements in those days weren't very reliable. And I went, oh, right. So, uh, actually, you can't now say um, that you've been following... And he <laughs> went, no, not going ways. there. <laughs> you know, exactly right. But, I mean, so what about the temperature of the Brexit party and, and, and the kind of the earthquake they may cause? Because Nigel Farage is openly saying now, if they win massively, which they may do according to the polls, he will demand a seat at the, at the negotiations and he will probably try and somehow attach himself 
to people like yourself who want to leave without a deal, won't he? Yes, and it's quite right that, you know, in, in politics you'll, you'll align yourself with people who've got the same aims as you. And, and I, I've had a chat with Nigel uh, about all this. Um, it's important he decides what he wants to do, and I've made it clear to him that you can help us deliver Brexit. I'm, I'm a Brexiteer. Um, the East Midlands wants to leave the European Union. So you can help us deliver Brexit or you can destroy the Conservative Party at a general election, but you can't do both at the same time. Mm. And the main winner of all of that would be Jeremy Corbyn, who probably wouldn't get an overall majority. So he'd then have a, uh, a, a deal with either the SNP, a coalition with the SNP or the Liberal Democrats, and that would mean no Brexit. So Nigel needs to, and the Brexit Party, we need to be very careful about what they want to do. I think they need to work with... The, the, the Brexit wing of the Conservative Party to make sure we do deliver Brexit and we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Quite right. We're talking to Andrew Bridgen. This is Talk Radio. In addition to uh, the candidates running in the southwest region, there are candidates also from Change UK, the Conservative Party, the Green Party, the Labour Party, the Liberal Democrats, UKIP, and three independents, Larch Maxi, Amothia Rahman and Neville Seed. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are here at Talk Radio, of course. Andrew Bridgen is here with us, Conservative MP uh, for North West Leicestershire. Andrew, thank you for staying with us. Uh, he's going to be here for a little bit longer, so he's going to be able to take a couple of calls from you. So if you want to call up and ask him anything, 0344 499 1000. I have to say, uh, without buttering you up too much, you've always been a guy uh, that's been a stand-up character. You've always believed in one thing. You're one of the few Tory MPs who has always done what you said you're going to do, i.e. never backing Theresa May's deal. You've always been consistent on that. Now, when you said earlier that you would not back anyone for the Tory leadership who votes with the withdrawal agreement, there's already been a few, you would say, who have done that, haven't they, in the past? Are you willing to forgive them for that previous incarnation? God does love a sinner who's repented and seen the light. <laughs> uh, the acid test for who I'll back for the leadership will be the withdrawal agreement bill, which is coming uh, the week after next. Right. OK, let's go to Aaron, who's in Kent, who wants to talk about uh, Amber Rudd and Matt Hancock and the centre ground. Aaron, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Aaron, it's Mike Graham here. Yeah. What would you like to say hello, to hello, Andrew? Mike. Hello, um, Andrew. Hi. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to um, confess my, my political naivety here, um, and I'm hoping you can, you can help me out. Um, this false narrative, and it's quite palpably a false narrative, that Brexit is either a left or a right issue, political issue, you know, it's quite clearly not... And um, that's why the Brexit Party are doing so well, because they are, you know, they have support across the country from both, you know, the Labour heartlands and, um, and, and Tory voters. And to, 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 to actually try and equalise Brexit with, with right-wing politics is a, is, is a narrative uh, put forward by certain, um, you know, certain act, um, uh, sections of the media. And... So here that the, the lot of Rudd, um, Hancock and, uh, um, I don't know, uh, someone else is more fun who it was, are sort of saying that the Conservatives have to reclaim the centre ground. Well, I guess Philip Hammond would be, would be one of those as well, wouldn't he? Yeah. 
But to, to claim the centre ground, it, it's quite clearly not a centre ground issue. That's why you've got, and I'm not just talking about people in the country here, in the, in the UK. I mean, you know, this transcends across the whole of Europe. You've got, you know, uh, Syriza, I know that they're probably a, a little bit more accepting of, of it, but you know, historically, I guarantee you, Podemos in Spain, you know, you've got the you know, Salvini from the, from the Lega in Italy. These are political parties, both from the left and the right that are anti-EU. So to, to actually try and equalise it and, 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 and equate Brexit with, with right-wing politics has to be quashed by people who are arguing for Brexit because it's quite clearly not true. I just want to know what yourself and Andrew think about this. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Aaron. Um, the fact is about 70% of Conservative voters at the 2017 election had voted to leave and about 30... 30% of Labour voters. Um, a third of SNP voters in Scotland voted to leave the European Union. Well, the uh, SNP constantly goes on about how Scotland voted to remain. Well, it didn't actually, did it? I mean, some people did, but some people didn't. Yeah, they, they, there was a majority in Scotland for remain, yeah. but at the end of the day, a third of SNP uh, supporters voted to leave the yeah. European Union. It isn't about... <clears throat> they'll always paint the uh, the Eurosceptics as being far-right extreme... Brextremists, I've been called... So if you believe that you know, we have a vote, we, Parliament decides mm. to give the people a referendum, the people vote to leave and I want to implement it in line with our manifesto pledges, then you're a Brextremist, apparently. Apparently, Lord Hesseltine called you that yesterday. Now, the other thing yeah, I well, would but say... He said that he, well, he, he didn't ever accepted the democratic will of the British people, no. and, but he was a man of high integrity and, uh, and, uh, and principles. Oh, yes. Of course. Aaron, but, but, I'm, thing, but I'm a Brextremist for... Yeah. The, other, the other thing I would say to Aaron is, is that if Jeremy Corbyn was to be honest, Jeremy Corbyn comes from that very left wing of the Labour Party, which hates the European Union and always did. But he's now too frightened to admit that. Um, is that to me, Mike? Yes. Yeah, that, that's exactly my point, because you know, it, it's, it's not and cannot now be classed as, 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 as a... As a you know, as, as, as party ownership, because you've got too many factions within each party that are either Brexiteers or, or, mm. they're, or, or they're Remainers. So therefore, I mean, the other thing I, I would like to put to Andrew, if possible, is how is that reconcilable? Because, you know, surely now, that's why the, with the Brexit party sort of picking up both wings of, of, um, of opinion within the UK... And, and, and hence doing so well in the opinion polls. I mean, surely it is time to, you know, it, it, the time is, 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 is going to, it, it's very, it, it's more or less upon us, I think, where, you, you know, you have to actually have a party that believes in Brexit and its, and its, its, its membership believes in Brexit, but also then espouses other policies for the general election. And I think that's going to happen because when, if you've got your likes of Rudd, and and Boris and um, you know Jacob Rees Mogg in the in the same party, you're not going to be able to reconcile the party. So you've got to think of a way of strategizing how you're going to move forward with Brexit, because it's just going to be internal friction and and, and discord, and it's not you're not going to be able to resolve it unless you you, you know unless you change you know there, there is a clear change of strategy amongst you know, amongst the Brexit to, to, to pick up um, on, on what I've been saying. I, Aaron, you know, <clears throat> I can assure you, we do have a strategy to deliver the Brexit that we promised the British people, although I'm not sure 
espousing it on talk radio would be the best thing for the cause, <laughs> to be honest. That's exactly right, Aaron. Thanks for your call. I mean, we are at this point where people now talk about should we have a, a, a realignment of, like, if you like, of, of political parties in as much as you've got people in Labour who want to leave Europe, you've got people in the Tory party who want to remain. You know, why, do, why don't you just kind of swap sides, as it were, and have a party of people who are happy to get out of Europe and another party of people who don't want to get out of Europe and then that would be easier for people to vote. Yeah, in, but then we, in, we'd in end up way, disagreeing on fiscal policy, on tax policy and redistribution and we'd agree, disagree on all sorts of things. But then you would It is surely... interesting that, that referenda mm. on, on fixed questions, they make very strange bedfellows yeah. where I could be on, on the same side as, as George Galloway. Yeah. Right, I mean, and Dennis Skinner. Sure, I mean, people were walking through lobbies with 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 colleagues from Parliament that they previously <laughs> wouldn't even speak to. I mean, that's how weird it has got. But surely, then, because this is such a big issue, because it's not like you know hanging or you know whether or not we should raise the age of consent or whether we should you know anything of other referendum type subject that we might have done in this the past. This is about democracy this is, itself. This is so important to the future of this country and to the future of our democracy that it feels like we should be taking notice of, of the way that people are lining up and, and not ignoring it. Because I think if we ignore it, then the party political system in this country is doomed, isn't it? Well, it could be. Uh -huh. um, I've got more confidence in our democracy, perhaps, than, than some. I, I've got huge confidence in the collective wisdom of the electorate. I don't like it when politicians say that the people came up with the wrong answer, because right. they don't. Mm. What it was was the politicians had the wrong offering. Right. Um, I think we're heading to dangerous times, and I would I'd remind your listeners that Donald Trump is the President of the United States, and whether you love him or hate him, mm. he won. But the reason that someone like Donald Trump could get into a position where he could become President of the United States was the collective failure of the political class in America to deliver what the people wanted. Mm. And I'm, I really feel we're on the cusp of being in that situation over here if we don't deliver the Brexit we promised. I think we're going in the same direction. Now, Casey Perry was in here just before you were, saying that she doesn't believe Theresa May will last beyond summer time, which I guess would be June, sort of early <coughs> July, so that by uh, conference time there will be a new leader, probably a new Prime well, Minister. Well, I'll, I'll give you a better prediction than that. I, you, you're aware that the... Uh, there's an emergency national convention of the Voluntary Party, the association chairman. That's pencilled in for the 15th of June. Right. I'm pretty confident that Theresa May will announce that she's standing down before that. OK. I would expect her to announce that she's standing down and, or, and triggering a leadership competition somewhere between the 10th and 12th of June to avoid having what will be a huge humiliation of, of having the voluntary party vote no confidence right. in a sitting Prime Minister, which would be the, the first time in 185-year mm. history of the Conservative Party that's happened. And so the timetable then would unfold how? You would get a new um, election for a new leader sometime before conference or during conference or what? <clears throat> no. We would immediately, in Parliament, um, it's trigger a leadership uh, election. There, there are some talk there could be 18 candidates. That's mad. We normally would remove two candidates yeah. a week. Right. That wouldn't be enough time between now and summer recess to right. get rid of those, get those down to the last two. We need to get those down to the last two as quickly as possible, get that out to the membership, and I think, you know, six weeks after we trigger, we want, we want a new Prime Minister as soon as possible. I don't want to wait until September. I think the country doesn't want to wait. It's just drift. We need to get on and negotiate with the European Union, reopen the withdrawal agreement... That can only happen with the new leader now and a fresh start. That needs to happen as soon as possible. I think a six-week timetable for the whole thing would possibly be manageable. And are you confident that none of that would trigger a general election at some point before the end of the year? 
Well, my big fear is that, um, obviously, that if we have, as I want, and I think the country wants, and certainly the membership wants, a, a Brexiteer in charge of the Conservative Party, somebody who believes in Brexit, there are already colleagues who've said they, in the House of Commons, who said that they would resign the whip. We, we currently have a majority of three mm. with the support of the DUP. Right. And it, um, so it's hard to see how we can avoid a general election. I, my betting would be that we'll be having a general election on or around the 24th of October, which is the last Thursday before the clocks change. And, and a week you imagine before it? And, Halloween. And a week before we'll be leaving the <laughs> European God. Union. And I think that would focus people's minds. Mm. But to achieve electoral success for the Conservative Party, we'll have to come to an accommodation with Mr Farage, mm. won't we? Because we all want the same thing. We all want to leave on the 31st well, here's the of thing October. For you. How so about this? Maybe I have set out a bit of a strategy yes. for you. How about this? Um, just elect Nigel Farage as the leader of the Tory party and uh, get on with it. <clears throat> well, he's not a member of the Conservative Party, so I don't think he's eligible at the moment. Uh, <laughs> we do can, have some rules. Everything can change. Call me a stickler. <laughs> I will. Andrew Bridget, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for uh, for your calls as well. We'll take more calls coming up later. Andrew's got to run. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. She's crazy like a fool. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We've been here since 10 o'clock. Coming up at 1 o'clock, it's Matthew Wright and Kevin O'Sullivan. They'll take you all the way through until 4. Uh, I may have mentioned it first uh, at the beginning of the show. We are in a new studio. We are in a new building. We're overlooking uh, a beautiful vista uh, of skyscrapers out in the city of London, London Bridge Station, and, of course, uh, the River Thames itself. Uh, before we talk to Paddy in Suffolk, uh, who's coming up a little bit later on, uh, let's talk to Lisa Artis, who is a sleep advisor at the Sleep Council, because I don't know what you wear to bed, but believe it or not, if you wear sunglasses, glasses to bed, uh, you'll actually sleep better after just one week. Lisa, very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Yeah, good afternoon. Now, I've not heard this one before. Uh, I have, <laughs> I have, I think I've fallen asleep wearing sunglasses on a sunbed, probably, but I don't think I've yep. ever thought about putting them on in bed because they'd come off, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what they sort of, th this report that's sort of come out is obviously indicating about how wearing obviously um, some glasses that filter out the blue light from, yes. that you get from devices. Okay. Um, but you know, there's also other things you can do. A lot of phones and tablets now have like night shift mode. Right. Um, you can put filters over as well. Well, you so, can put them face down as well, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not difficult. I mean, <laughs> I still think ideally what you want to be doing is actually not using the old gadgets before bed, and this is probably just another way of. Of uh, you know, it's 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 a little bit gimmicky, isn't it? Really, yes. that 
Um, I mean, I, I would say that a lot for a lot of people, they, you know, you're always told, you know, don't even put your phone in the bedroom, take, take, leave it outside. But the trouble is a lot of people, and I'm one of them, use the phone as an alarm. You know, I use my phone. In fact, I've got two phones. I've got two alarms because I'm worried. I once overslept <laughs> and I'm so worried that I'm going to oversleep that I've got two alarms that go off five minutes apart. Yeah, no, and absolutely, you know, we do, you know, we, I think we understand as an organisation that people do use um, phones now for alarm clocks. Right. You can put it at the other side of the room, though. You, like you say, you can turn it face down. True. Ideally, you know, I understand where they're coming from with these glasses. And, you know, if you, I suppose if you're someone who really cannot put your phone down, then they're obviously are going to help. But still, the best thing to get a good night's sleep is would be to switch off those gadgets yes. at least half an hour before bed. I'm thinking as well that if you were going to wear something like a pair of dark glasses, you'd be better off with kind of ski goggles or those mo old-fashioned motorcycle goggles that have got, <laughs> you know, a strap, a strap at the back so they don't come off. <laughs> At least, at least then when you're rolling around your bed, yeah. you're not going to fall off and break. Well, exactly, because there's nothing worse than, than having a nice pair of sunglasses and, like, fall asleep and waking up, finding that you've rolled over on them and you've broken them. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. OK, now, what else, I mean, can, can you give us as a piece of advice for having a good night's sleep, apart from the obvious of, you know, not drinking too much, not eating too late, you know, uh, not eat, I don't know, not um, watching too much television just before you go to bed? What's, what's the sort of ideal preparation? I think the really key thing is, is is to really look at your bedroom environment, you know, and make sure that, you know, it's free from the gadgets, but also, you know, we need, you need darkness to sleep well. Mm. So if you've got any kind of light coming in, you know, you want to block that out with heavy lined curtains, yes. blackout blinds, you know, try to be sleeping on a really good, comfortable bed, you know, keep that temperature cool. You don't want a hot bedroom, nor do you want something that's freezing either. Right. But do you know what a really good tip is for anyone who sort of gets really anxious with mm. bedtime or waking up in the middle of the night is to avoid clock watching. Right. And that's not to look at the clock if you wake up in the middle of the night because that actually sets off a, a sort of cycle of anxiety. Okay, um, And, you know, I think we've all done it, especially when you know you've got to get up for something really important yes. the next day, but you sort of look and it's 2 o'clock and you think, gosh, I'm getting up in four or five yeah. hours. It gets to 3 o'clock, you go, oh, another hour's gone by, I've got right. less sleep still. So the best thing there is, and it's, it's great because we've just been talking about turning your phone upside down, is, is if you, whether you use a clock or a phone, turn it upside down, cover it, put it mm. to the side of the bedroom, because clock watching can really increase anxiety in the bedroom. OK, great. Lisa, thank you very much indeed. Lisa Artis, Sleep Advisor at the Sleep Council. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.